Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we will talk UTRGV basketball. We're sitting down and talking with Jonah Goldberg, the Senior Associate AD for Communications and the voice of the Vaqueros. The Vaqueros have a big-time player back in Javon Levi and their women's team also looking to make some noise in the WAC this year. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome everybody into the WAC podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Vigil in the WAC Digital Network Studios in Denver, Colorado. Very excited to have Jonah Goldberg on today, the voice of the Vaqueros. Yeah, he, 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 we should call him maybe the encyclopedia of the Vaqueros. He knows everything that, that's ever happened on campus in Edinburgh, everything that's going to happen. I think Jonah knows he's the voice. He does everything. He's their senior associate AD for communications and knows everything you want to know about men's and women's basketball in the Valley. He's providing so much insight and what fans should be looking for and get excited about for this upcoming season. It's a great podcast. You're going to want to listen. We're now joined by Jonah Goldberg, the senior associate athletic director for communications at UTRGV. Jonah, second time on the show. So welcome back, we can say. I feel honored to have made it on here twice. I know a lot of people haven't had that chance yet so I really just want to thank everybody for making this possible. Jonah first question I have for you is uh, November 25th is the date the NCAA put out uh, a few weeks ago as far as when teams can start playing and basketball. UTRGV have, have they made any progress there do we know when a start date might be for the Vaqueros? I know UTRGV is getting close. Uh, there's a definite movement. The non-conference schedule is almost complete. While I can't give you any of the particulars at this point, I can say that there will be games on the schedule and it will be very heavy with uh, Texas opponents and attempt to stay in state, both home and road opponents, as we try to limit travel during the non-conference part of the schedule. Jonah, how excited are you to get back to calling games? I'm pretty excited. You know, when Leslie Varner was going through his virtual three-on-three tournament, I was kind of screaming at Twitter and giving updates on Twitter and occasional play-by-play in the house of the percentage changes. And uh, that was around the time my wife said, wow, you really need games. I said, well, maybe. Well, Jonah, last time we, we saw you in person was at the tournament, which is uh, seven months ago now, and UTRGV was the number two seed, and we've seen that every year under Coach Hill, you know, just keep uh, going up up the hill, uh, I guess, to, to use a metaphor there for Coach Hill. Uh, there's only one left now since uh, there was a number two seed. I got to imagine that uh, Coach Hill, the coaching staff, the players are all eager to get back out on the court and in competition uh, not just that virtual kind that, that you saw on Twitter there, but actual games here in the next uh, month or two. Absolutely. There's a lot of excitement to be able to get back to playing basketball and uh, can't say a regular environment. That's not a thing anymore, but for whatever we will be able to do. And, you know, there's, it's kind of some unfinished business. There's a, a lot of feeling around the team and around supporters that, this could have been a special year for UTRGV this past year that it, as the number two seed going into the tournament, having won eight out of 10, there was a good chance 
that the Vaqueros were going to be able to do something special, accomplish something special. And to not get that opportunity was tough. And yeah, it was tough for a lot of schools. It was hardly just us around the country. Uh, but everybody wants to get that opportunity again. And you enter the season with this sense of, okay, we were right there last year. What can this team do this year now to make up for that? What do you think this team needs to do this season to possibly be in that two or one seat again? Win more games than New Mexico State. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be the one seed, it's kind of as simple as that. As Coach Hill likes to call them, they're the big bad wolf. Until somebody beats them, they are the number one team. And I mean, they they got to end their season with a lot of wins in a row, and nobody's beaten them yet. So you know, right now, obviously that's the team to beat. And when you look at uh, the plans. When the initial schedule came out, the idea was play them at Bird Ogden Arena locally, which is a 9,000-seat arena just a couple of miles off campus, only a couple games played there uh, this year. And the idea being that's the marquee opponent. That's going to be a huge game. So, uh, you know, we, everybody knows who that team to beat is. Now, it'd be the one or two seed. Then uh, part of it's going to be – Winning games, that's the obvious part. But part of it's also going to be uh, people taking the next step forward. You know, there's a lot of talent on this team. And I think last year when UTRGV got off to a 6-14 and 14 start, which is hard to believe, right? Like we talked about, they won 8 out of 10. They were the two seed in the tournament. And if you look back and said they were 6-14 and 14 at the end of January, you'd be like, wait, what? Uh, and, they, and then they did what? And then they were almost unbeatable down the stretch. And I think part of that was there were a lot of newcomers last year. You had that core of Javon Levi and Leslie Varner and Jordan Jackson. And then everybody else, you had a couple of returners who hadn't played much the previous year. And then you had a lot of newcomers. And getting them playing time, getting them all used to working and play, or playing with each other, it took some time. And once that occurred, you saw the team start to gel. Well, this year, it's a little bit of a different story. Now, you lose part of that core of Varner and Jackson, uh, but you've returned almost everybody else on the team. Uh, very few people lost from last year and only a handful of newcomers. Uh, it's so a little bit different from last year. So if you could just capitalize on the momentum and the guys who started to step up in the second half of black play last year continue to take a step forward and continue to improve, and everybody just continues to gel together now that they've had a year under their belt as this squad, I really think some special things are possible for this team. Well, Jonah, coming back, uh, the leader of the team, I would imagine, Javon Levi. He's a guy with a lot of accolades, a chance to break some records uh, potentially coming into this season. Uh, Rachel interviewed Juan Aqua on Whack All Access a few weeks ago, and he said his toughest opponent or one of his toughest opponents that he played in his collegiate career was Javon Levi. So here's a guy that uh, has has some star qualities. And when you talk about breaking records in the whack in basketball, uh, one of those that might be uh, held by Tony Gwynn, the, the uh, baseball <laughs> hit king, but uh, he was a heck of a basketball player in the whack. So Javon Levi starting to enter that elite company in whack history. Yeah, Javon Levi could end up being UTRGV and the whack's all-time leader in assists, UTRGV's all-time leader in steals, and probably number two in the whack in the steals. And because uh, that's, that's where he ranks in the history right now. He's fifth in program history in assists. He needs uh, 
less than 250 more to get to the number one spot, uh, which is very realistic just based on how he assists. I mean, he's like 10 a game. Last year, he ranked second in the nation in assists per game, and he was off by a thousandth of an assist. Like, if he had dished out one more at some point, like, he, he would have been the leader. And that's, that's an incredible thing. He's 16th in whack history in assists with some NBA names uh, on the list ahead of him. And he's, you know, similar ranks in the, in the steals categories, very close to the top in UTRGV history. And then whack history is 11th. Uh, this guy is a two-time defensive All-American. He's a two-time whack defensive player of the year. But what's made him even more special is he's, he's a really good scorer, too. Uh, you know, he's, he's a double-figure scorer now. He improved his shot last year, uh, which was one of the things that, you know, he still had a chance to improve upon. And he's a pretty good rebounder. Uh, he's a great distributor. He's great at the defensive end of the ball. He kind of does everything you need him to do on the court. And a guy like that could be the WAC player of the year. I'm not afraid to go on a limb and say that because, honestly, I thought he could have gotten it as a sophomore. He was that good. And he's, continued, and he's only gotten better. When you have a guy like Javon Levy on your team, in what I would argue is the most important position on the court, you always have a chance to win. How underrated is he here in the United States? Bold question. Uh, well, he wasn't an All-American last year, so he's underrated because he should have been. And I think there's a fair argument that he should have been as a sophomore as well. You know, as a sophomore, he was the only player in the nation to average five and a half assists, two and a half steals, and less than 2.1 turnovers per game. He was also the only player to add averaging at least 9.9 points, 3.9 rebounds per game to those totals. Like, nobody was doing what he was doing. He As an all-around player, he does everything. But the problem was he averaged 9.9 points, not 10. And that makes a difference. It really does. Like, when you look at awards, if somebody averages 9-something and another person averages 10, double figures looks great because it's an extra column, it's an extra number. And I get it, people are obsessed with round numbers. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is that when you just break it down, what's the difference? If he had hit another basket in another game, now he's an All-American or, I mean, he didn't even get All-Wack honors as a sophomore despite being the Defensive Player of the Year. Now, he broke through that issue last year. He got uh, All-Wack honors because he averaged in double figure scoring and then had all the other numbers to go with it. I'm sure that was a, a part of it. And, Look, there are a lot of great players around the WAC, right? So uh, that's part of it. But uh, Javon Levi is one of the best, if not the best out there. And until he's winning every single award there is, in my mind, he's going to continue to be underrated. Now, also back besides Javon Levi, uh, obviously you, you miss the, the two big guys and Leslie Varner the second, and uh, Jordan Jackson. But coming back, Quentin Johnson, Chris Freeman, Anthony Bratton, uh, Sean Rea, they, they figure to have a, a pretty good uh, shot at making the starting five. Do you, do you have an idea what that starting five for Coach Hill is going to look like this year, Jonah? I think we'll know sometime in late November for sure. But those are definitely <laughs> some guys who we'll see uh, in the rotation, if not in the lineup. You know, Johnson started 16 times last year. When he was out there, good things tend to happen. His final number as a three-point shooter was 325, and you might say, well, that's, that's not where you want it to be. True. But he also 
got a lot better as the year went on. And he was a redshirt freshman, so he hadn't played the previous year as a redshirt. And then he was a guy who had to, you know, find his way into it. And he got better as the year went on. Average ended up averaging eight points per game and a little higher in whack play. You know, Chris Freeman was a guy who was pretty good from behind the arc, also a good scorer. Uh, both of them really took steps forward. He was a junior college transfer. And then uh, Sean Ray, I mean, what a story. He didn't even become eligible until the semester break uh, after transferring. And Ray uh, was uh, a guy who quickly made an impact. And he was a great rebounder and pretty good scorer. Did very well at the rim. He shot 63% for overall and only attempted one three, which is what you expect. He's a really good guy to have down low. And when you'll match him now with the, the newest recruit, uh, Jeff O'Cherry, the Stony Brook transfer, you're going to have a lot of size down low, which is something that UTRGV hasn't necessarily had in the past. And I think that's going to add another dimension that will both uh, improve UTRGV's game inside, but also improve the outside game because now the defense can't just guard you on the perimeter. They're going to have to go inside because there are going to be some beasts down there. You mentioned Jeff O'Cherry. What other newcomers should fans be excited about? Well, Malik Lawrence Anderson is one of the newcomers on UTRGV. He uh, signed early. He comes from Tyler Junior College, where he averaged uh, about 8.6 rebounds. But he shot 50% from the field. Uh, you know, he's 6'6", and a pretty good three-point shooter, almost 40% from behind the arc. So uh, I think he's a guy to be excited about. And you got Laquan Butler, who uh, transferred from southeastern Louisiana, but he's going to have to sit out because of transfer regulations. But, you know, those are the only true newcomers, but Merrick Nelson had the red shirt last year after transferring from western Kentucky. He's a guy who you'd expect to be pretty good, probably at the four, the power forward position. He was pretty good uh, at western Kentucky, too, uh, when he was healthy. So you definitely expect some good things from him. And then Doc Nelson, uh, another transfer who had to sit out last year. He came from Weber State, who was a pretty good guard, and uh, he could score and he could distribute a little bit. So you could see Nelson being the guy who could spell Levi. So, you know, Levi doesn't have to play 40 minutes per game. And now Nelson can come and he could play the point when Levi's getting a spell. He can move over to the two when Levi's on the court if they're both on the court at the same time. It gives you just a, a lot more options and there's going to be a lot of rotating I think because there's some pretty good depth on this team which also increases the quality of the competition in practice which will continue to push everybody to get better. Uh, John I mentioned Leslie Varner and uh, Jordan Jackson both graduating this past year. NBA draft going to be coming up in November. Uh, I've seen Leslie Varner's name uh, mentioned as a uh, top 100 uh, prospect type of guy. Jordan Jackson a guy uh, that basically the whack top play we should have named after Jordan Jackson this past year with all the spectacular plays and dunks he had. It seems like he would uh, draw some pro attention as well. Any idea of what these guys uh, are up to right now as we speak? As far as I'm aware, neither of them has signed yet. Uh, you know, I don't whether that be overseas or looking specifically here in America, you know, with Varner, it's been really great to see him mentioned in so, so, many, uh, so much NBA draft material. He's, a guy, he's worked so hard. He transformed himself over the course of four years to become a really strong player. 
And I think that he would certainly have a lot of potential in the G League if he doesn't go straight to the NBA as a top 100 guy. That gives him a great chance if he's not straight to the NBA to go to the G League. And I think we've seen that the WAC has been successful in churning out some NBA players recently. Pascal Siakam uh, is a superstar in the NBA now coming out of New Mexico State. So I'd love to see Varner kind of join that conversation. And if he has to go the G League route and has that ability, you know, that's a, that's a good route to go. A lot of those guys end up getting called up. So that could be a possibility for him. And uh, for both of them, I think they should have strong pro prospects. Obviously, with COVID-19, you never know how that's affecting everything. But I certainly think both of them have a chance to really make their mark in the professional ranks. Jonas, some assistant coaches were able to pick up some accolades this season. Uh, who are these assistant coaches and what awards were they able to get? Well, Jay Stedman and Kenya Crandall were named among the top assistant coaches in the WAC by Jeff Goodman of Stadium. Coach Stedman was tied for first in the WAC while Coach Crandall was tied for fifth. Uh, Coach Stedman has been here actually one year longer than Coach Hill. Uh, he and he's been in the Valley even longer than that because he used to be with our local G League team, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. So uh, Coach Jay has been here for a very long time and is very well like community on campus. And uh, he, he just works. That's, that's what he does. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll do whatever you need to do as a, as a coach, whether it's vocally or rebounding uh on the court nothing is too big or too little for him he will help you schedule he will help you recruit he's got contacts all over the place and uh he's not afraid to talk to anybody which helps a lot when you're when you're trying to do all those things and uh watching coach jay work and i've known him since his days with the g league team because i was working there at the time uh, it's just been a pleasure because it's, it's not only that he's a really good coach but he's a really good person too and he really legitimately cares about people so uh, you know he's he's certainly a huge piece of the puzzle uh coach crandall has been here for as long as coach hill has been he had come over uh from montana state and he's got a ton of coaching experience also in fact uh he and coach stedman knew each other uh growing up in nebraska so they go back a long way as well and you know coach crandall primarily works with the guards and you see the numbers that the guards, including the aforementioned Javon Levi put up in terms of steals, assist to turnover ratio and uh, how many turnovers the team forces, which is uh, among the leaders in the NCAA at nearly 18 per game. Uh, you know, a lot of that, uh, you got to credit to him. He works hard. He takes care of the guard unit. He not only works with them on the court, but off the court, they kind of break into their, their sections where, uh, Coach Crandall monitors the guards, and that includes even uh, making sure they're doing what they need to do academically. You know, he really takes responsibility for them, and he cares about these kids also. And uh, both Coach Stem and Coach Crandall are incredible to have with the program and incredible to work with. Jonas, some very good information there about UTRGV men's basketball. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk UTRGV women's basketball with Jonah Goldberg. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. 
We're back on the WAC podcast with Jonah Goldberg from UTRGV. He is their senior associate AD for communications, now talking women's basketball. Jonah, last year there was a lot of questions about the Vaqueros uh, going into the season, a lot of new faces. Uh, they finish 8-8 uh, eight and eight in the WAC. They were 11-4 and four at home. Uh, looking back on last year, uh, what, what, what do people in uh, Edinburgh think? Is it a, a positive look back on the team last year? I think the team got better as the year went on, and I think that that was that was very important. You know, the the women's basketball team probably didn't get off to the start that they were hoping for last year at UTRGV. There were a lot of newcomers, and there were, early on there were a lot of injuries too. And I think that was part of the problem. And but the team improved, and that's what you hope for. You know, the finish five hundred in conference. To, to be right in the middle of the pack after getting off to a rough start at non-conference, I think that's, that's what, you, what you look for at that point. And then uh, you hope to take the next step forward this coming year. You, there were just so many changes to the roster because there was a large senior class from the previous year that there were going to be bumps on the road, a, a little bit of a rebuild. And you know that UTRGV is ready to hit the ground running this year. What can fans expect out of this UTRGV team this year? I think they expect the team to play as hard as possible to always go out there and, and try and put on, uh, try to represent the Rio Grande Valley in the best possible way. You know, there's some strong returners on this team. Uh, you know, Amara Graham, who was really the, the leader uh, last year, she's back best three point shooter in the WAC percentage wise, if I remember correctly. She improved her ball handling skills. Uh, you know, every year, Graham has really taken a step forward. Her first year, she only played four games, uh, got hurt, and then was a part-time player. And then she became a pretty good scorer and a pretty good distributor. And then last year, I mean, she cut down on her turnovers by 40%. It's just an incredible move for her. And I think that you can expect to see Graham take the next step forward. And I think that that just that gives you a very deep – point guard position because you add her to returner Valeria Tapia who is shown to be very capable of distributing the ball occasionally you'll get them both out on the court at the same time to open up Graham to shoot a little bit and between the two of them the ball handling has definitely been a very strong suit and I think you look for some of the returners who were new last year to take that next step forward as they as they move into their second year at UTRGV and to mix with some of the other newcomers and you know, produce a good team. Now you mentioned Amara Graham, Jonah. What what kind of impact do you think she'll have this year? Is she kind of the unquestioned leader, or how does uh, Lane Lord look at it uh, for the upcoming season? Yeah, I'd say Graham is definitely a leader on the court and off the court as well. She's someone she's involved with the student athlete advisory committee, so she's she's shown her leadership there, and she's shown that. Uh, she can play big minutes out on the court and really come up with clutch shots and clutch assists. So uh, I think Amara Graham, look for her to be the big-time leader on this team. Who else do you see emerging as a leader this upcoming year? Well, among the returners, I think somebody to look for is Haley Jones. She's somebody who got off to a really strong start last year. And then – her playing time diminished as some of the people came back from injuries 
And then she got another chance to play later in the year. And good things happen when she's out on the court. She's got this rainbow three-point shot that is a pleasure to watch. And I, I think that she's somebody who can take a really big step forward as a sophomore. You know, I think Sarah Bershears is in that boat as well, where, you know, she it was a freshman last year, but was expected to start right off the bat. And she battled injury. But when she was out there, she had a number of games where she reached double figures in scoring. And I think that she's somebody who can take a big step forward. And then Eva Belosevich, who uh, was also inconsistent in her playing time, got to play a lot early. And then, you know, in her first year with the team, was up and down as tends to be. But uh, good things often happen when she was out there, too. And she's 6'2", but could really shoot it also. So really forced defenses to stretch. So I think there are some really good options on this team. So as far as newcomers to the team this year anyway, yeah. Burko Susel, a six foot five transfer from UMass, uh, originally from Turkey. Uh, she would figure, I, I would assume, to have, to have a big impact on the team this year. Uh, is that what you see? And who are some other newcomers that uh, could be cracking the lineup for the Vaqueros? Yeah, I think uh, Burko Susel is somebody that UTRG really expects to be important. You know, she's six five, uh, played against UTRGV at the Fieldhouse as part of UMass back in 2018-19 before transferring. So she's someone that uh, UTRGV is definitely excited about. And I think that she's going to add a dimension that, I mean, I don't remember having somebody like that down low. I mean, 6'2", maybe. Uh, 6'5", I mean, that's not something that they've seen here in years. So I think that's, that's going to be giant, literally. Uh, and then among the other newcomers, there's a really strong recruiting class here for UTRGV women's basketball. Like when I read down their bios, everything I see is had this honor, won this championship. And it's all people who have won, which helps you to create that winning culture that they're looking for. Like you look at uh, Jordan Lewis, who NJCAA uh, honorable mention. Uh, at uh, Grayson College after averaging 12 points and six rebounds. You look at uh, Jessica Martino, who won a region championship at Labette Community College. Uh, you just go up and down the list and you see all these players who have had tremendous success where they've been. And then, you know, Jenna Williams comes in and, as a Nevada transfer and, you know, you probably have to wait a year for her, but that's somebody who you can look for a year down the line. And, uh, and then we were talking about size. Faya Vincent comes in at 6'4". So there's going to be a lot more height than we're necessarily used to seeing. Uh, Brianna Sanchez at 6'2", and in addition to a few returning six-footers, that 6-plus, uh, that I think it's going to be a very different program than we've seen in previous years. They may play differently just because they've, they've got the height. Kansas City, CSU, Bakersfield, leaving the WAC, Tarleton and Dixie coming in. Where do you anticipate the Vaqueros to be in the standings this year? And Gia Peck finally graduated. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like she has been terrorizing WAC teams for 100 years. Uh, <laughs> I, nothing but respect for her. She's fantastic. Amazing player. Uh, but happy to see her graduate. <laughs> Which is probably the nicest thing you could say about any opposing player, right? There. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, you know, who knows what teams will be like. You know, New Mexico State has, has typically been strong. Uh, they, they were down a little last year just compared to the uh, insanely high bar that they had set for themselves uh, over the years. But they're still a really good team. And I think that there's 
there's still a lot of talent in this whack. I think it's going to be a little wide open again this year. And it's hard to really say where everything is going to shake out right now. But I think that there's definitely an opportunity for really any team, and certainly UTRGV included, to drive a truck right through uh, the opening that has been left by these changes in the WAC and come away with a championship. Jonah, with Tarleton coming into the league, another Texas school, obviously uh, the state of Texas ge geographically is huge, so it's not exactly down the street from Edinburgh, but having another school in Texas seems like uh, there will be some sort of natural rivalry between the two schools. Well, you ever notice that they use the state of Texas in their logo and uh, our, <laughs> I've secondary, our secondary logo uses the state of Texas. So there's a little bit of a battle there for uh, who really owns Texas here. And we know the answer is UTRGV. So <laughs> I'm going to fire the first shot in the new rivalry right there. You know, they're uh, 434 miles north of our campus. So it's, a little bit of a schlep uh, about seven hour drive but it just gives you an idea about how big Texas is that they could be that far and still be within the state because in different parts of the country you would have driven through multiple states in that amount of time but it's definitely exciting to have another Texas school here uh, so we can show everybody else what Texas basketball is all about. Well Jonah we always appreciate you coming on again two-time appearance here on the WAC podcast and we always love talking with you thank you so much <laughs> thanks for having me all right that is Jonah Goldberg from UTRGV uh talking all things basketball there uh make sure to check us out on Wednesday when we preview the Seattle University basketball programs thanks for listening to the WAC podcast make sure to follow us on Facebook Instagram Twitter and YouTube and check out our website at waxsports.com